Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. Keynote is on the road today. We're in Munich at the DLD Circular Conference, a one-day conference focusing on the circular economy and circular economics. Uh, my guest on the show is Martin Lopez Cardoza. He's the CEO of Circular Economy and one of the keynotes at the DLD Circular uh, Conference. Uh, Martin, welcome to Keenon. This word circular or circularity, what do you mean by it? I know you contrast it both theoretically and perhaps even musically with the idea of linearity. How are we supposed to juxtapose circularity and linearity, linearity when it comes to economics and the environment? Thanks, uh, thanks Andrew. And indeed, uh, I uh, tried to wake up the audience a bit by uh, doing a bit of a, a Frank Sinatra imitation. Um, but indeed, if you, if you look at, uh, if you contrast it, there's several ways to look at circularity. Uh, and I think I addressed them in my keynote. Uh, one of them, of course, is look at the linear system. Uh, and the linear system you basically digs stuff up from the earth. Uh, you make stuff out of them, use them, and then sort of throw them away. And if you look at how nature works, um, it's basically closing the loop. So, you know, a leaf falls from the tree, it's actually becomes compost and it is then a source for other uh, things to grow. Um, so that's one way to sort of look at it. Um, the other way you can sort of address it is, um, you know, what do you actually need to do to become circular? Um, and in my keynote, I basically explained that there are sort of four key interventions you need to do. Uh, you need to use less materials or narrow. You have to use them longer, so slow the metabolism. You have to use regenerative energy and systems, uh, make clean. And finally, at the end, but only at the end, you need to cycle or recycle. Um, and maybe the last thing to end, Andrew, is of course, circularity is not a goal in itself. It's a means to an end. Um, and, and the end is to stay within the planetary boundaries. And the good news is circularity can help us just do that. And the bad news, Martin, though, is that uh, we don't seem to be doing a great job staying within those boundaries. You, you had three numbers that you threw at the audience which were important and quite um, uh, sobering in many ways. Absolutely. Um, so maybe a little snapshot of what's been happening um, if you look at the whole world. Uh, and we did start to do that and it's published in our annual circularity gap report. We basically look at what's happening with materials in the world. Um, and what we see now is we use more than 100 billion tons of virgin materials, which is, you know, we're using in the last 10 years, we've used more than in the complete last century. Um, the other thing is out of all the materials we use, only 7.2 is used in a productive way. So basically cycled out of the system. Um, and as a result, um, we're overreaching five out of the seven planetary boundaries. Um, and that number has not been improving. Um, so, you know, the 7.2% used to be uh, 9.1, then 8.6, and here we are. And the reason for that is 
so much more virgin materials are used every year, um, especially with the build-up in the emerging economies. Martin, we're talking in early September, a, a beautiful, warm, late summer, early fall day in Munich, in, in Bavaria. But of course, we're coming off the hottest summer on record, and it's brought out the apocalypse in all of us, and many people who believe we're on the verge of some sort of environmental apocalypse. In terms of your numbers and your take on the potential of the circular economy, how dire is our planetary situation? Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not a climate uh, scientist, um, but I. But you read all the stuff. I read all the stuff, and I, you know, like it's always very hard to say how close are we to the edge, um, and you can debate that. that <laughs> but that we're moving in the wrong direction, and that we're closing, and that there will be an edge is, I think, quite obvious by now. Um, so what I'm trying to bring to the table is, I think there has been a lot of focus on the energy transition, and quite rightly so. Um, so moving from coal and oil and gas to wind and solar um, and, and other sort of sustainable means of producing energy. But that's only half of the equation. Um, if you look at half the carbon emission is actually tied to material use. Over 70% of the biodiversity, which is linked to land use, is mostly built environment and food systems. So if we do not also address the whole material piece, we'll not get there. Martin, one of the ongoing debates on this show, and, and, and I'm sure throughout the environmental uh, community, is the compatibility of capitalism, the market, the free market, and what you call the circular economy or ways of confronting our environmental crisis. What's your view, uh, both personally at the Institute, in terms of integrating the market into the circular economy? Is this a post-capitalist economy? Is it a proto-capitalist one? Or can capitalism continue to thrive in a circular economy? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, question and also a great source of uh, debate. Um, Interestingly, we worked with um, Norway quite a bit, um, and as you know, um, they have a big fossil industry. Um, well, they have their they have their oil and gas and eat it too, right? It's easy to be capitalist in in Norway. Well, it's not only easy to be capital capitalist, but they basically take the approach is you know in order to become more environmentally friendly and circular we need capital and we're going to make that on the fossil side um, and, and I think that's a bit of flaw in the thinking also what's happening with companies where they say hey there's a lot of carbon emissions in our uh, in our supply chain with our customers in scope free you know we cannot address that so we'll offset that somewhere else i think you need to address the root cause um, and and face the hard reality there um, but let me also give a bit of a uh, sorry to jump in here martin when you say the hard reality what is that reality well the hard reality as i also gave in my keynote is if you want to stay within planetary boundaries from a material perspective you know, we have to use about 30% less materials than we're using today. And now I'm giving the nuanced view, a portion of that, and that's my personal opinion, so I'm not talking um, on behalf of circle economy, a portion of that can be very well addressed within the capitalistic system. I've been a serial entrepreneur. My last venture was actually in the circular economy. And we found a model where we actually could 
use less materials, we could cycle better, we could make clean within the capitalistic system. However, that's only a subset of the solution space. Um, there's other places like overconsumption where I feel you have to address it head on. We're in Munich, one of the most beautiful cities, not just in Europe, but in the world on a, on a warm late summer day. It's beautiful. Everyone's out in restaurants, the bars, the parks are full. Uh, people are driving around are in electric vehicles, they're riding their bikes, and yet in your keynote you noted that Munich is actually doing a rather bad job on the circular economy, that it's over-consuming. Uh, leaving aside Munich, what cities are doing a better job? Are there models? You're from Amsterdam. I'm guessing that Amsterdam does generally a better job than Munich, does it? Well, so we've been working with the city of Amsterdam now for over six years. Um, so they're certainly an early adopter of the circular economy. We also worked with them, um, which is a very similar frame. We worked with the with Kate Rayworth on the donut economics. Mm -hmm. um, She's one of the popularizers of, um, of this theme that we have her husband who's written on ancestral economics on the show. Yeah, and what I really like about her framework is that it communicates extremely well also with the population, uh, which is very, very important for the buy-in of what you're trying to do. Because ultimately, and actually I chatted with the city major of, of Munich this morning, um, you need to provide something for the people as well. Um, if your only message is you can use less and you're not allowed to do this and that, um, it will be a very hard journey. Uh, and I think we've seen that in multiple places. So you have to combine and bring the citizens into that journey. Um, and that's the only way to get it moving. You dodged the question though, Martin. How, how much better a job is, is Amsterdam doing? And are there models of cities that are moving towards a circular economy? Well, absolutely. So just give you an example, uh, some, some examples out of Amsterdam, and I do feel they are ahead uh, to, to answer. Don't be shy to show off Amsterdam. You won't be the first or the last person on this show. I'm a big fan of the city. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things that I think they have done really, really well is integrating the circular policies uh, in a lot of the core things they do and a lot of the core things they control. Um, and I think a good example is actually the, uh, the, the built environment. Um, so one of the powers a government has is they give out permits, right? So they can basically write in the permits what people need to do. And if you want to get a permit now in Amsterdam, there are a number of circular principles you have to adhere to. Um, and, you know, once you start mandating that, then industry knows what's coming and, and people who want to win the tenders and win the, uh, the permitting will address it right, right on. One of the other um, keynote speakers uh, at uh, DLD Circular this morning was Ian Golding, he has a new book, Age of the City. He presents cities as the model of progress, open, uh, tolerant, diverse cities. When it comes to politics and the circular economy, is it by definition um, uh, a, a, a liberal world? Is, is circularity uh, a euphemism perhaps for 
the liberalism, the openness, the progressivism of the 21st century? Or, or, or is there a role for conservatives when it comes to circularity? Yeah, so I think with circularity, I think um, depending on which element you pick, uh, there's something interesting for a lot of uh, people on the political spectrum. Um, so that's why you see adoptions in cities, but also in businesses or in nations, um, and also with impact organizations like Circle Economy. And the reason for that is, you know, in some cases you have superior business models. So for instance, if you can have better asset utilization and use things as a service, that's often a superior model than just selling it because you get recurring revenues and et cetera, et cetera. And then I think for city majors, you're basically trying to sketch a pitch picture and it's what I, we also did with Donut Economics in Amsterdam. That's not just only on the environmental side, but it's a bit more holistic. Um, so I think there's something in it for city majors and cities are actually a very good intervention point. One of Golden's arguments seemed to be that there's a radical division between the city and the countryside when it comes to the environment. That's also reflected in politics. The countryside, particularly in America, seems more and more conservative, uh, reactionary perhaps in many ways. Uh, but there are people in America who believe that the environment can actually bring together the city and the countryside. What can the countryside offer? What lessons, what experience in terms of the circular economy that cities perhaps might miss? Well, Andrew, one of the things I started my talk with was a personal story. Um, and the personal story of connecting with nature as a boy uh, when I was biking from home to school ultimately led uh, in my 40s to the transformation uh, and adding purpose to my life and focusing on this topic. So one of the things I've noticed is if you take people out of the city environment and you have them really reconnect with nature, something happens on the personal level, which will then, once they go back to the city, change their behavior. So. To me, with almost 70% of the population who will be living in cities in the next 10 years, I think that's a very important role, is provide citizens or of cities the opportunity to reconnect with nature. Where I'm from, Martin, in Silicon Valley, a uh, great deal of money and thought has gone into the invention of a new city just outside San Francisco. San Francisco seems to be failing horrible mix of enormous wealth and massive poverty and unemployment, drug addiction, uh, homelessness. Is there a need for new cities? Are the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and investors, are they doing it the wrong way around? Should they be focusing on building a circular economy into San Francisco rather than inventing a, an entirely brand new place? Well, I think one of the things, and I think a good example is actually what's happening in Paris right now, where you know, with the whole plan to create a 15-minute green city with biking as a central theme, um, you're actually bringing in and make the city much more livable and much more pleasant. Um, and as a result, you're not only greening the city and trying to apply circular principles, but you're also uh, making it more attractive for people to live. Um, so I'm always a big, big fan as opposed to sort of, you know, say, you know, this thing has ended and, and it's, it's not fixable and just try something new to try to reinvent what's already there.
Should we be mimicking nature? You argued in your keynote that nature is circular, it's not linear. Yeah, I think nature is circular by definition. Um, it's regenerative, there's no waste. Um, it's quite clever how they use materials. So there's actually only very few building blocks that are used all over. So I feel if we use nature as our mentor um, and apply that to businesses, cities and nations, um, I think we, there's a lot to learn. Martin, people will be watching this and thinking, wow, circular economy, that sounds great, I'm all in for that, and yet it's very abstract. No one quite knows what it means, let alone how to behave in it. For people watching who are not fortunate enough to live in Amsterdam or have an association with your institute, how can we all individually, reasonably, uh, on a daily basis, participate in, in your circular economy? What can we do? Well, so I started with introducing the four things that we need to do, right? Use less, use longer, regenerate, um, and cycle. Um, so all those four things you can apply in your life, right? It's like use less is, you know, do we really need this new object? Um, especially in the US, I feel there's massive overconsumption. The other one is, as opposed to throwing things away, buy things for durability. I really enjoy, I'm still biking on like a you know 40 year old bike that my dad used to have. And I, it has emotional value to me. Uh, and every time on that bike, I only, not only enjoy the ride, um, but it has some heritage to it. And I think if people start, you know, getting personal enjoyment out of those things while they're applying sort of circular principles, um, so I think all four things can be applied in daily life. And some people are watching this, Martin, and thinking perhaps to themselves, well, here's a, uh, a 21st century European preaching to the rest of the world. You've had it good for 200 years. Now our markets are rising in China, India, elsewhere. How would you respond to that kind of critique saying, well, for 200 years you used everything you wanted, you wrecked the environment. Why should we have to pay for it? I think it's a very, very valid point. Um, and the first thing, and we work quite a bit actually, part of my team is in, in Bangladesh right now, which is one of the poorest countries. Um, and if we talk to the people in Bangladesh, like anything that is sustainability or circular is quite circumspect um, because their approach is, you know, they're of course on the receiving end of needing to produce cheap textiles. We're just getting higher environmental norms, but the prices still go down. So, and the key thing is to present it as an opportunity for the people. Um, and yes, here in, 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 in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, we have to make some very big and radical changes. Um, but they really have an opportunity to combine circular economy with good economics. They have a real opportunity to leapfrog old technologies and start with a new way of designing things. That ultimately, because this is going to be a major transformation, uh, will also help them rise. Well, finally, Martina, I can't resist. You did a, your best Frank Sinatra imitation on stage for DLD. Can you do it for keynote? <laughs> I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy to do that. Um, actually, I, I thought about doing it uh, this morning uh, when I when I woke up. I had the slide, and we just defined our key values in the organization. 
and one of them is courage um, so I felt I had to be courageous here um, so uh, let me take a breath and, and do it for you uh, Andrew um, when I look at myself what a circular world 